If Murray had supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> America's first. Blah And God is not going to come as as an abstract if it is so hard to connect with another human embodied person. How do you expect to connect with an ideal, connect with with a person that is not embodied? Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We are going to be chatting with Amit Goswami a little bit later uh, over in India. I think this is the third time we've had Amit on the show. Fantastic chat from with a fantastic cat. Love Amit. He's always fun to chat with. Of course, that's where the original Dooby Dooby Doo came from. Well, I think it originally came from Scooby Doo, but that's where it came from here in Grand America. Still lives in the show notes today. Actually, I was thinking we need a Dooby Dooby Doo shirt. Yeah, we should. How we don't have one already seems crazy, but we'll make one. A little grandamerica.ca underneath. Perfect. Talk to our people. So what have you been? How you been, buddy? Good, good. Not too bad at all. We're going to get lots of feedback about your beard on the videos. Oh, boy. People are liking the beard. Really? No, I got to get rid of it. I just just want to see what it looked like. You know, I'm still, still, uh, you know, distant from my girlfriend. She's out of town. So um, I thought I'd, I'd grow it while she's gone, but. You don't like it? She's still gone. No, she likes it. Oh, does that's she? What, that's what I'm worried about. I want to get rid of it. Before she sees it? No, no. She's, she's, she sees it all the time on FaceTime, but. Why don't you just grow it out? Grow it out how long? Fucking like the wizard, Gandalf. the beard, yeah. wizard, wizard beard. Yeah, maybe. Grow it into maybe. like, it'll be great for D&D. Maybe. Think of it as like a D&D prop. It'll yeah. be fantastic. We're going to go sliding today. Good. Finally warm up. It's going to warm up to plus four, plus three, plus four. Oh, perfect. Go out to the sliding hill. Slide down. Are you allowed to slide in uh, during the lockdown, COVID lockdown? I don't know. I don't know what the rules are. I don't care what the rules are. I do what I want. Right on. And it turns out the more that, uh, it turns out that might have been the answer all along instead of just getting riled up. I mean, it's good to get riled up, but it seems like all the tickets are being thrown out now and it was just a giant joke. Well, I don't know. I'm, I would disagree, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, from a legal standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like, I mean, but in retrospect, it's tough to know, but it's like those businesses should have just stayed open and no one would have done anything, you know, or they could have tried, but it wouldn't have held up. Yeah. Like, like Chris Guy was saying, he, they were giving him tickets, but they were misspelling his name all the time. Right. Cause they don't want it in court. So there's a reason why they don't want it in court. An excuse now, for it now to get people, thrown out. But people get worried about a fine. Cause then maybe, you know, they, they can come after you with a. A warrant, a thousand bucks is a lot of money, something, right? Or it's not about the money, even it's just about what. Yeah, but even you, to most people, there, it is you know, about the no, money. No, I mean, I that's know, half but, your rent for the month. It's like you know, no, most no, people. But, well, you haven't been working for a year. It's hard to yeah. fathom having an expense that will probably turn into a warrant or something else if you don't pay it. Yeah, I love a mitt's uh, solution. Eh? Gargle with salt water in the morning. Yeah, you know, he's yeah. like, "There's simple things you can do to this." Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't get canceled yet. 
Well, he got canceled in the 70s. Remember we were talking oh, about right. that on the yeah. show? He's like the original. Can- he was canceled before cancel culture was a thing. He was pre-canceled. He's pre-canceled because he was not into materialism. Wow. Turned out to be right. How things have changed. Probably right. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So, how you been? What do you got? I got a, I got an email. I've been going through my junk and found a couple of emails in there and uh, got a little quote. For you. Quote? Yeah. Ooh. Spiritual quote. I'm, I'm, we're getting away from the deep state quotes and we're doing more of like love. Love. Well, quotes we'll, on love and, and happiness and stuff. We'll probably and still keep it positive. do some deep state quotes, but just not all deep state yeah. quotes, especially yeah. in the middle of the Make the Swami episode. Yeah, exactly. It seems it's weird to drop yeah. a totalitarian bomb. Profound quote of the week. Darren, can you guess it? It's the profound quote of the week. Can you guess the human who spoke it or wrote it down? Profound You're probably not going to be able to guess these. Probably not. No. Happiness cannot be traveled to. Owned, earned, worn, or consumed. Happiness is the spiritual experience of living every minute with love, grace, and gratitude. It was Dennis Waitley. I was going to guess Frank the Tank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's kind of like what Amin was talking about. Amit. Um, there's a part in his book, Happiness Versus Pleasure. And it makes a lot of sense, you know? Pleasure is fleeting. Happiness is kind of more of a state of being. Bigger? Yeah. And like I was saying, it's like getting that level, that base level of contentment higher. Happiness can't be caught. Well, you catch a fish, it's pretty happy. Is that just pleasure? That's pleasure. What if you catch a bunch of fish? (laughs) That's happiness. (laughs) Every day. (laughs) Living the dream. So I got an email from... uh, from Australia. Australia? Two emails from Australia. Ooh. They're completely different emails. Completely different topics. Completely? Is that... You- so let, let's do... Okay, let's do the one, first of all, based on our on our episode with uh, Stephen Strong. Or is it Evan Strong? I get them mixed up. Stephen Strong. And it was about that, uh, the Ayers Rock in Australia and Uluru and the Awakening. So I got an email here from a Facebook group that uh, one of them has been canceled. Because of them? No, I don't think so. I'm not sure about the whole story. I can't, it's too long to read all of it, but I'll just pick out a couple good, good parts because I think this is important. And now another edition of the Grime American Goodies by the people. All the people. So this is from Sherry, and, and uh, she says, Hey, guys, this is from Esha Patel, a Facebook group I'm part of, and it reminded me of the Uluru episode you just had. Um. And she says, maybe skim it and share the best parts. And just as a quick 101 intro, these planetary grids are energetic structures around the Earth. So that's like the ley line stuff, right, that they're they're talking about. While there are several of these grids, the main one that you need to know is the flower of life grid, which is basically this 3D flower of life. It's an energetic grid that carries the coding for the original blueprints of planet Earth. 
This is the grid that carries the Garden of Eden blueprint, which is essentially what is coming into full rest restoration as part of the shift into 5D. So then they talk about different subgrids, more localized subgrids, and she talks about all these, um, all these different areas in Australia like Perth and, and Melbourne. And she says, so many people just don't understand how this grid actually works. The grid holds everything in place. The energetic structure of our planet play a vital role in how we experience life on the planet. The places to get hit the worst with lockdowns have been all places with the densest grids. Oh, that's interesting. I also know I've been working with them for years. I see the pattern so clearly and how the energy flows and how this has directly influenced what has been happening in the cities. Huh. So there's a Facebook group that got deleted. I'd posted a video about how that we can work together and get these grids energized and flowing. I mean, I don't know why the Facebook group is, is deleted if it's this reason, but I mean, it's so disappointing, right? Oh, we can't yeah. even just, what can't we talk? What can we talk about? Corona being Hate, terrible. You know, I mean, it's unbelievable. So a lot of people ask if there's a most beneficial time to do this practice. So, so she does say consistency is the key. We essentially need as many people doing this practice daily to support the energetic grids as we transition into the new earth. So there's a link here. I'll put it in the show notes to Esher Patel. But he says, um, a lot of people ask if there's a beneficial way or time to do this practice. While doing it any time of day is beneficial at the moment, we are focusing on two flows. Oh, I wanted to read something else about that. Um, oh yeah. The practice is simple. All it takes is for you to do just a few minutes out of your day to connect from your heart to the heart of Gaia. Do it in your localized area and direct the light through the grids where you are. If you need to follow something, go to the download of, uh, his four foundation practices. I'll put a, a link in the show notes. These practices will get you fully connected with any, many other benefits like balancing your own energy field as well. You can download them for free here and I'll put a link in the show notes. So it kind of fits with Amit and, and what they're doing in a way as well. And I think uh, after that Uluru episode, I, I realized like it, it's probably important just to put some intention and some meditation into, you know, that grid or that rock and all that stuff that was happening there. Totally. All that good stuff. It's a little, you know, new agey, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm open to it. We have grid lines around here, apparently. Ley lines. Ley lines. Weren't we going to go find some one time? Yeah, we Maybe were. Maybe we should yeah. get on that this yeah, summer. North, uh, north east, northwest of us. Northwest. Yeah. We could go find a ley line. Yeah. Is there none at that medicine wheel out by Vulcan? Uh, there might be. I don't know. That's, uh, I might actually head out that way. It's prime hunting ground. Hmm. There's a confusing one. There's another medicine wheel that I went to uh, off that dirt road. I think we talked about it a while ago. Um, the one I went and to And I'm not sure great. if that's the Vulcan one, too. The only problem with it was we were in the car, and it almost got stuck a bunch of times. Yes, if that's the one I went to. If I was in my truck, it would have been no trouble too, at all. Right? And then you climb up that hill at the yeah. end, and it's up top of the hill. Now, that is that the one that's just east of Vulcan? Yeah, it's not just east, but it's probably about... But that is the one, right? Yeah. Okay. It's got to be a good half hour, 40 minutes right. east, and then you head north for a bit. Okay. I think that's all lease land, though. Good excuse to go hunting back there. Huh. People have been hunting around there forever. Thousands of years. Yeah. Since after the uh, Younger Dryas, probably. Alleged Younger Dryas. Oh, really? Is that I what it is now? No, I don't know. I was just thinking the Tartaria stuff. Oh, yeah. Maybe there's another Younger Dryas sooner. 
like a few hundred years ago. The comet already came back. What do Randall thinks of that? I'd have to ask him. I yeah. say it's bullshit. All right, let's so hear So speaking your, of that, the Australia one. So this is good day, fellows from the dictatorship that us Melbourne, Australia is at the moment. Just listening. It is? Yeah. Just listening to your Ben Grundy show on communism. Can I steer you to Bill Cooper's Babylon mystery series? Ooh, have you heard of that? Yeah. I mean, I've seen Bill Cooper on it. I didn't realize it was called the Babylon mystery series. Is that like uh, a... An, uh, Novel? Or? No, I think it's a, like old TV shows or something. Oh, is he it? says it's long, shitloads of episodes, but he has nailed everything that is happening today. It's historic, hence why it's long. Another source you should probably get on your show is Allison McDowell, which we heard already, very something very similar. Her webby is Wrench in the Gears. She will explain the nuts and bolts of how they will implement the new revolution and the new world order. Whitney Webb is another. Yeah, we're in touch with her. It's the it's the women leading the way. Hope you receive this email. And funny enough, regards Cam. And funny enough, I didn't receive it. It went to spam. So, yeah. So yeah, if you guys don't, you know, you're welcome to spam Graham at Graham at GrahamAmerica.com. And if you don't hear back, feel free to to follow up or whatever. I mean, the junk folder is full. I don't. I I just was going through it today and p- picking out stuff that should not have made it to junk. Bigger. They're jamming up your junk. Yeah. I Did you get had... that other email I sent you from the feedback from the website? Or was that one of the ones you read? Uh, can you check your sent and I'll check? I send a lot of emails. Let me, I could hmm, check. And... I thought I did, but I, but for some reason I don't have it. Uh... Oh, I do have one here. So somebody signed up through Patreon and they said, awesome. Thanks again. Oh, and thank you. And Graham, I listened to the Dave Smith episode and enrolled into his recovery course. You both do good work, even when it isn't about vaccine damages, government cover-ups, and the paranormal in general, sending good vibes to the both of you rich. Is that the one? No, this is a weird, this might be a weird, this must be the same guy. Did that other guy? Oh, yeah, from Cam. Yeah. Good day, fellas. Just listened to your John Sneeze and Potty about China and the blockchain system. DeepMind is not a Chinese company. China just happens to be the country selected to fashion slash create the system that the World Economic Forum will use for its data collection economy. Seriously, look into Alison McDowell. She has done all the hard yards for us. Her research is invaluable. Any loving the show and the chemistry you buggers have going on. Allison McDougall, Wrench in the Gears. McDowell, Wrench in the Gears. Yeah. Regards, Cam. Yeah, I agree with him. I've listened to her before, and it, it is mind-blowing. It's, it's, a, it, it's actually a little bit disturbing, to be honest, to see where things are going from her perspective. But she seems like one of these awesome researchers that just, I'm not going to say stumbled upon a bunch of stuff, but is opening up a can of worms, you know. Opening up cans of worms. So we should get her on Outlawed. Totally. Yeah. We got Whitney Webb coming up on Outlaw next month. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Outlaw's jam-packed, man. It's David going I- great. John Brisson. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? There's a there's a ton of people just looking for an outlet because everything's been canceled. So. Oh, maybe that's it. Yeah. It could help. Yeah. That's Can't good. hurt. Yeah. 
if you guys want to check that out, head over to grimericaoutlaw.ca if you want to see all that more controversial stuff we're doing over there, pushing back against COVID and vaccines and all the stuff we don't want to do here anymore because, you know, it's just not the best platform for it. I don't want to bitch about vaccines on an Amika Swami episode. We're going to talk about how great everything is. Uh, yeah, and people, to, and people to like sign up for the free one, even if you're not going to get the plus thing, but just get, you know, download the free podcast. Yeah, the, the free show is just very that, similar to Get that to algorithm just... going so that more people see it out there and it'll help. Totally. It'll totally help. And then uh, the other thing is the swag shop's been popping. We got the new swag shop since we left Redbubble since they didn't like our stuff. So we got the new swag shop set up, grammerica.ca slash swag. We got a bunch of masks at grammerica.ca slash masks. But the swag shop's popping, and if we keep it popping, they're going to unlock the hats and the toques soon. Oh, really? So then we'll have, finally, Grammerica hats and Grammerica toques for sale of all different varieties. Do they have a toque you can just pull over your face as a mask? A balaclava? I don't know. They have uh, Someone sent me a picture yesterday of them and their new Grammerica... What do they call the one that goes, the gator, a Gramerica gator? I saw a guy get in trouble in the Walmart or some store because he was wearing a full mask, not a full face mask and not just a mask mask. And he's like, you can't wear a full face mask. What? Full face mask off and put on just a normal mask. Just a half mask? I've got one here. No, I've I'm got a full mask. And he had a, I think he was missing a nose. So that was a prosthetic face mask. Oh, what do you got? What? What were you wearing? Oh, I wasn't. This is on YouTube. Oh. Instagram or something. Can't cancel that YouTube, eh? I tried canceling YouTube. He called me on it. Well, dude, I'm I'm doing all the research for the show. I got oh. I get. There's a lot of topics on there. I need to talk. I need to f- find on YouTube. It's still there. It's still you know. I I know. I'd rather just get off there. I'd like to eventually, but right now you could like, be on there and just not like, pay the you know, pay three out. or four shows a week. Like, oh, dude, there's no way I'm gonna watch all those ads. There's no way I would ever use YouTube without paying them. I'd rather pay them than watch all those bullshit ads. They're cornering you into it now because now they just put ads on everything. No, they don't. I don't see any ads. Not if you pay them. I know, but, but I'd if you rather don't do pay that. them now, they emailed us the other day and just said, "Hey, we now reserve the right to put ads on any content we deem advertisable." That's great. Well, then most of the stuff I watch must not be advertisable. No, it's because you pay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. If you pay the eleven bucks a month, you never watch an ad. Yeah, I know, but, but to me, it's worth it because I, I I would never be able to handle it without that. But there's a lot of people like I was doing research for a show this morning, just in watched an hour interview with a guy that I don't think it's anywhere else but YouTube. Did you check Odyssey? No, I didn't. We're all over Odyssey now. You guys want to check that out? I know I should. To be honest with you, I need to, I need to spend more time on other platforms. We're finally on Odyssey. Not all the shows, but I think like the last 350 are there or something like that. Eventually we'll get them all there, but that's a good start. It's like half of it. Half of it's there. So if you get, don't want to watch YouTube, you can check that out. If you don't want to watch that, you, we're, we're over on Rockfin. We got some content there. We got some content on Odyssey, and we got some content on YouTube as well. For now, we're gonna get out of that though eventually. But you can't. We can't stream out loud on on YouTube anymore, right? So you're streaming no, that on. Rockfin. We stream that so on. People Rockfin. should go sign up for free on Rockfin. They don't. They don't have to pay. Although we do have another series over there that's for Met Rockfin uh, paying pay, paid members. But we have but, a ton of free stuff there yeah. too, and there's a ton of free stuff all over Rockfin. So yeah. if you want to get off of Netflix or YouTube, it's a good place to go poke around. Definitely want to check about the swag shop. 
you definitely want to support the show. If you're enjoying the podcast we're doing over here, I think this will be number 481 or 482, all free, the whole back catalog. Check out grimeamerica.ca slash support today. You can sign up for a monthly or a yearly, or you can do a one-time donation. There's PayPal, there's Stripe, there's Patreon, there's cryptocurrency. If you don't like any of those, shoot us an email. We'll figure something else out. There's some audiobooks too. Secret Societies of All Ages and Countries, Volume 1 and 2 are in Audible. And right. you can get there through Audible, searching Grimerica, I guess, or you can also get there through the landing page, adultbrain.ca. Yeah, that'll have all the books read by your buddy Grambo over there. All the best books. So how's the biohacking going? Biohacking? You're down 20 pounds? I'm down 20 pounds. Wow. I can't even believe I had 20 pounds, like 20 pounds to lose like in six weeks. You can probably find another 20. I can, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm looking for another 15, let's say. Then I'm looking are, for another 15, and then I'll be at a spot where I can start. What's your secret? Again. Carnivore. Straight Only animal carnivore. products. That's it, eh? Only animal products, yeah. A lot of cheese? No uh, cheese? Some cheese, yeah. Some cheese? cheese, yeah. Some milk, some cheese. Not a lot of milk. Not a lot of cheese. Milk, cheese, and meat? Meat. Sausage? Sausage. What's bacon. your go-to? Bacon and eggs. A lot of bacon and bacon eggs? Bacon eggs, sausage, uh, steaks, burgers. I eat a lot of I eat a lot of Chicken, eggs fish. Sure. Prawns, scallops, all that stuff. That's kind of, you know. But I eat less too. Like I'm doing the alternate, uh, the intermittent fasting a little bit. Hmm. Are you hungry all the time? No, I'm never no. hungry. That's the weird thing. Like that is the crazy thing, dude. It's those empty carbs that just make you have this weird hunger. So even the- when I get a little hungry, it's not the same. It's not this like, it's not this famished sort of hunger. It's just you're sort of. Like, I almost feel like, oh, I can still go a couple hours, but I'll eat because it's kind of time to eat, but. Oh. Yeah. Your portion size is smaller with me? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's part, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't, honestly, I don't know how much of it is because of the portion sizes and because of not snacking at night as much. Like, the only thing I snack on at night is, like, maybe beef jerky or bacon puffs. Bacon puffs? You know. Do those count? What do you mean? There's no carbs hidden in those bacon puffs somewhere? No, dude. It's all strictly, it's all like lard and bake and lard and pork. Really, eh? Yep. I should switch to those for a snack. Oh, yeah. It's all, it's, there's no, there's not animal products. It's all animal products. Yeah. I buy like four or five bags at a time. (laughs) Are they salty? Are they good? Yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I used to like pork rinds back in the day, but it's hard to find. Oh, look, the chicken's at the window. I think that one likes you. So yeah, you know, it's uh, I don't know how much of it is the intermittent fasting versus the portion size versus the just the animal products and the energy and uh, but yeah, it's going good. Yeah, yeah, I might try that out at some point. Tough. I couldn't get my kids on it right now, so no. there's all the stuffs around, so yeah. it's hard not to eat that stuff when it's around. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't even have any of that around. All right, but, what else you got? You got anything else? No, that's about it, dude. Yeah, All right. Just enjoy the show and enjoy the show. Show we'll pop in our our uh, Gary Wayne best of from the Gary Wayne show here at six oh, or really? seven minutes. Might as well we oh, put okay. on the last couple. Okay, so this is from the Rockfin series, right? Yeah, on Giants the, and Bloodlines. These are the highlights from the the series with Gary Wayne. Is that how I thought it was longer than that? It's about seven minutes. That's it. Yeah, this the one, one I much put shorter. together he did really? much better this time. Yeah. Oh. the other two were like almost the whole episode. <laughs> this one's down to seven minutes. If you want to catch the. The hot points from the Gary Wayne show we did for Rockfin. We got that here for you, so you don't have to go anyplace else if you just want the uh, the hot spots. 
coming at you. And after that, we will jump into it with the wonderful Amit Goswami. In this particular family that he starts, uh, he creates 10 demigod kings. And demigod, in its ancient understanding, is the offspring of a god and a human female. Just like the Genesis 6 story has the sons of God and the daughters of Cain um, producing the Nephilim or the giants, as it's recorded in the King James Version Bible, with giants going back to the word Nephil and I am for the male plural. So these demigod kings were described as Atlanteans who had blonde hair and blue eyes and sharp aquiline or hooked nose, noses. They had high cheekbones. Their eyes glowed. They had long necks. They were serpentine looking because they look just like the watchers who created them. Again, just to show people that this is a global historical reckoning of what happened in prehistory that always includes giants. And we need to, and we just need sort of understand that fact. So if you go into Genesis 6 now, 6, 1 through 4 is where the giants are created before the flood. That's the preamble to the flood story. So what happens in Genesis 6, you get the creation of the giants and you get uh, the Noah's commission because of what the giants are doing. And then you get the flood all in chapter 6. And then 7 and 8 uh, are going to all and 9 are going to cover the flood and shortly thereafter. So it is the start of the flood story. There's nothing to separate it. And in all accounts around the world, it's the giants that are causing the gods in the polytheist perspective to destroy the earth because of the destruction and the horrible things that the giants are doing. I think both are controlling the information for their own power reasons. And those are the two biggest sources, not the Smithsonian. That's a branch of the Royal Society and the Freemasons. Understand the Freemasons and the Rosicrucians established the Royal Society. And then the money, James from James Smithson, who was a Rosicrucian and a Royal Society member, funded the Smithsonian to be created with his, uh, with his will. So if you look at um, the Windsor family, and this is just on some things that, that, that they have said, and also what we know about the dynasty that they're going to connect back to. Um, Prince Charles and Elizabeth, but mostly Prince Charles, had said he has genealogies that takes him back to Vlad the Impaler, yeah. right? Which is kind of spooky, but that, that's a different story. And he was um, a red-haired, hazel-eyed, pale-skinned, um, Tuatha de Dandan <laughs> descendant from Scythia um, that they take their genealogies back to. So all these different mythologies and cultures have their version of giants, I guess. Like there's the Nephilim and the Anunnaki, the Titans, and all the ones that you mentioned. There's the Chinese ones and the Egyptian ones and the South American ones. I mean, they've all got yeah. their version of this. They do. Yeah. So like you have the Maiosi in China. Or you have the Datriya, the Azuras, and several other names in, in, in India. Uh, you have the Zabalba in the Kishamaya. All around the world, you have an accounting of these of these giants, the Tengu in Southeast uh, Asia and into um, Japan. So there's many, many different names for them. Um, and uh, the Zabalba were uh, a, and the Tengu, they were a bird-like looking 
uh, Nephilim and priests, because they usually produced a priest class and a warrior ruling class. And that comes from the Anunnaki, I think, and or a Horus type of god. It's all talking about bringing what they would call the thousand points of light together. So that's the famous buzzwords that the, both senior and junior of the Bush family talked about in several speeches, including at senior's funeral by junior. And the thousand points of light is a reference to the spark of the divine. And the thousand points of light was used in the New World Order speech by uh, President Bush Sr. Um, in the 90s when it first sort of came out. Well, there's a, a, a link, and if people can't find it, they can get a hold of me. I can send it to you. Um, yeah. It's a link where it has old newspaper writings. Right. Uh, that I was talking about earlier, yeah. starting in about the 1850s. Yeah. And again, all of those findings, you know, they go to the universities and then to the Smithsonian or right to the Smithsonian, and they just kind of disappear. Uh, I think from a contemporary basis, those are the best ones to look at. And then look into the Peruvian skulls. Right. Yeah, and can I just touch on some of a few few names out of the Bible that are giants? Yeah, yeah, just absolutely. So people this know. is like the who's who so, of giants. I mean, people are familiar with the name Nephilim. I also talk about Rephaim. So Nephilim only shows up three times for giant in the King James Version Bible. All the other 25 times it goes back to Raphaim. The Raphaim are the post-Diluvian giants. Now, you've got other names that are shown uh, that are giants, which are Anak or the Anakim. And you've got the Emin and you've got the Zuzim that I mentioned earlier, the Amalekim, the Horim, the Zamzuzim, the Avim, the Hivim, and the Horim. And there are more yet. You have the Kaftarim, you have the uh, Perizim, yeah, I think you have the Kenim and the Kenazim that I mentioned earlier, and you also have the uh, the Kaftarites, the Kaftarim as well, and the Chetharim that are mentioned, and that's the main ones that you're going to see talked about in the Bible, but they don't always say they're giants. All right, tonight we got a special episode. We have the quantum act activist himself back after seven years. He's a retired professor of physics and author, researcher. His latest book collaboration is Quantum Activation. Fantastic book, so we're happy to talk to you about it. Welcome back, Amit Goswami. Thank you. Yes, thank you for coming back on. I can't believe it's been seven years. I looked it up, and uh, yeah, you were one of our favorite episodes back then, and you know, you're still pumping out these books. It's great. Well, it's been seven years since we seven, had Amit on the yeah, show the first yeah, time. Seven well, then years, we had yeah. him on again. Oh, did we? That was the first time, I guess. Yeah, the yeah. first time was seven yeah. years ago. Man, I only I had one kid. Right. I appreciate being here. <clears throat> so I guess we should start with the, the background. I mean, your book is called Quantum Activation. It's a collaboration with a couple other authors. You guys talk a lot about... Uh, you know, childhood trauma and healing, some different modalities. Uh, maybe we could talk about why you decided to collaborate on this book after after working on, you know, all your other quantum books. Well, um, actually, you know, uh, Carl Blake, one of my co-authors, um, was the motivator behind the book. 
But I have been wanting to write a book on the quantum science of uh, manifestation because right. this has been on the horizon for a very long time. The first wave of we create our own reality that was in the 1970s. And then came a movie and a book called Secret and giving very simple recipes of the secret is just to wait, make a wish and wait. And then that got into wait, maybe meditation, but that also didn't get much anywhere. And then the ideas were uh, given that maybe there are archetypes or other things that are attracted to us, and you have to intend for those to get manifestation. But during all this time, of course, I've been developing the quantum science of how we create our reality. And the simple catch was that we don't create in our we create our reality from our ordinary state of the ego. We need to get into a higher state of consciousness. We need to access uh, where from the uh, manifestation happens, the perpetrator of downward position, which is actually oneness of consciousness. Uh, sometimes we call it God, but however we call it, um, it is beyond our uh, st ordinary state of consciousness. We have to meditate or be creative or at least intend and uh, do a process, which is, of course, what we write this book about. And there are some preparatory stuff. Preparatory stuff is the subtitle of the book, changing obstacles into opportunities. That's the first thing we need to do. And then we uh, apply the science of manifestation and rest of it is specifics. Uh, we have Gary Stewart, our third co-author, who specifically applied the technique to his uh, family constellation therapy patients with enormous success. Um, uh, I am no psychotherapist, no psychologist, but, but I did work with a uh, psychotherapist, Sunita Patani. She used it also with great success in her practice in uh, London. So in this way, we have some um, experience with how to use the quantum science of manifestation for manifesting um, mental health, also for serious problems like, you know, family constellation therapy generally talk about abuse that go on in a family uh, perpetually. Yeah. And so these are suggestive that the technique that we are suggesting can really work. Yeah. So can you dig into that? You, you were explaining there about how, how we create our reality from a higher state of consciousness. And you mentioned that we have to perpetuate something. Can you dig into a little bit of detail on, on how, how do we explain that to people? Like, is it, is it the, the frequency, the resonation, the resonating with, with something greater, like getting your, you know, in that, in that sort of bliss state or how, how does that actually work? Do you think? Well, that, that, that's a pretty good uh, suggestion. Actually, resonating um, with something that is already in our collective unconscious is one of the easiest way of getting into the uh, non-local uh, consciousness. Non-locality is a technical term. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of everything, consciousness in quantum physics, we call it non-local. Instant yeah. communication connects us all. That capacity is what we have to unlock. It has become locked in the ego state. Ego state is a constricted state of consciousness. So the whole trick is how to go from a constricted 
state of consciousness and expand it. It can be done with resonating with a mantra, quickest, um, or uh, prayer. Uh, we do an intention ritual. That's our preferred technique. The puja? We'll, I'll share it with you right now if you want. Sure, yeah. So uh, what we do is a four-stage uh, process. Meditation is included in it. Prayer is included in it. But we also recognize that we must start the intention as uh, the book Secret suggested. It, it comes, must come from the ego because that's where we are. We must begin where we are. If we begin where we are with additionally some inspiration, that is very good. So we do a little ritual, we light some incense, we look at some flowers, uh, beautiful objects, uh, we play some music, and this is to inspire us. In that inspired mode, then we intend. Intention has four stages. One is the intention from the ego. I intend. For example, I intend to heal whatever the disease is. And then we uh, realize that uh, movement of consciousness is not uh, very oriented towards our personal goals. They are the ego rules, but uh, so we need to generalize the intention. So can, second part of the intention is I intend, but let this intention be for the greater good. Third part is prayer. Uh, very much the Christian style, thy will be done. We just modify it a little bit. Let my intention be in resonance with the movement of consciousness. <laughs> this one is very important, so we stay with the prayer for a bit, and we end the prayer with silence. That is the meditation part. Silence we stay until we feel um, elevated, until we feel inspired. If the intention comes, intuition comes immediately, that's wonderful. If the intuition doesn't come, we just every day for a while, we repeat this ritual. And um, often an intuition will come after the ritual if we do it quite sincerely and elaborately from an expanded state of consciousness. And then the whole process is just follow it up with the creative process. So now, uh, this is uh, something that uh, a medical doctor friend of mine uh, applied it to actually healing uh, a medical disease, uh, retinal uh, edema. So now we have some uh, actual proofs that it uh, it works. It's effective. Is that is that when you when you're talking through that process, it kind of it kind of made me think of. The process Napoleon Hill described as sneaking it uh, from your conscious into the subconscious. They mentioned that in the book. Yes. Yes, yes. We have to involve the, um, not the subconscious so much, but subconscious is an entry to the quantum unconscious, which has this unlimited potentiality, new potentiality for us to engage, which will actually heal us. You see, the healing potentialities are there. It's just that we don't know how to use them. So the whole trick of um, quantum healing or any um, uh, thing that we want, for example, we can want uh, to love someone or um, to love everyone. Um, the whole 
freak of this. The whole reason that we don't succeed is that we are so constricted that it is just a thought. We don't put any uh, feeling right. into it. We don't put the uh, intention in a way that uh, consciousness can hear it. The, the uh, consciousness does not share in the usual way, but what happens is that in our expanded state, the intention, you use the word resonance, that's a very good word, it resonates with the intention of the, uh, you can call it divine intention or intention of the movement of the consciousness. And this is the point. It has to resonate. That resonation is all we can do. We can hope that our intention resonates with the purposive movement of consciousness. Once that happens, then we are on because consciousness is fully supporting it. How is it supporting it? Through the unconscious, of course. So we still have to follow it up with do we, do we, do be is the way for us to get to the unconscious. So in, in a sense, you can kind of just fake it till you make it. You can kind of like, even if you can't, you can't, if you, if you, if you can't figure out how to get it from the conscious to the subconscious, then just bust your ass at it and it'll naturally sort of permeate. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the, the trick is daily, uh, uh, do a, a, a dual process. The part that we can do, that's the do part. There we are very focused. We not only go on intending, but we do our best. For example, uh, suppose you are trying to heal a mental problem. We do our best. We prepare. We use all our ideas. Um, I will do this, I'll do that. Okay, let's imagine a scenario. We visualize that we are healed. Anything that will promote the idea that I don't want to be in these disease states, I really want to want to be in a healed state. We invoke that. We read other people's work. We um, participate in workshops. We uh, do uh, healing meditations, healing visualization. Those are very effective. But that's the do part. We must not think that it's all doing. The B part is the part where we are surrendering to the movement of consciousness. How do we do the B part? This takes a while to get a, um, a grip on it. People have very little understanding. So here we suggest that people meditate. There are ways to meditate. One kind of meditation is the focusing meditation. That usually is what people do these days. Meditation with the mantra that TM teaches or meditation on the breath um, in uh, Buddhism. Um, but there is a meditation called mindfulness, also from Buddhism, Vipassana. That is much more effective because there we're just watching our thought. And eventually, uh, if we do it more and more uh, incisively and let go, that is the crucial part. But let go does not happen by wishing it. Let go has to take place by itself, and that's the trick. So we watch uh, first just the thought, and then we watch the entire field of awareness. Then it is called awareness meditation. And that is a very effective way to learn how to just sit without fidgeting. If we then uh, have a do session, and then uh, learn to just uh, sit uh, every day for periods, and then again engage into some active 
uh, intending, doing, uh, researching, uh, trying to figure out what would be the best uh, uh, in order to heal this problem and work with a therapist uh, like Gary actually works with uh, his clients. Um, my psychologist, psychiatrist friend, um, she does the same thing. Um, all this is useful part of the do. But the B part, the client, the patient, uh, the subject has to do with himself or herself. It is there that the power of the intention uh, has to come in the form of a surrender. In other words, we are giving up the will of the ego, and in its place, uh, we are agreeing that a higher power is needed for uh, making this intuition into a fruition. Have you read The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer? I haven't, but I, I have um, read similar uh, experiments by others. It, it is a very good um, the series of experiments that a lot of people have carried out. And obviously, you know, there is good data now that the uh, surrender is a good part of the attention. Yeah, yeah you guys mentioned the, uh, the Benson book, which I don't hear a lot about, but the relaxation response, which is, I think, well, might be similar to that. Yeah, it's an old book. That's why you don't hear about it much. It was a 70s, 80s book. Um, but it is a good book. It was the, uh, it was the first uh, recognition by a uh, doctor uh, of some reputation uh, of the materialist ilk. Uh, so it meant a lot. Uh, that work actually was crucial in the breakthrough that, yes, meditation does produce relaxation response. And of course, the relaxation response in terms of medicine just simply means that meditation has an effect on uh, bringing up the parasympathetic nervous system. The much of the uh, harm that stress, uh, emotional stress causes us um, is because the sympathetic nervous system, when it's too active, produces cortisol in the uh, body, um, harmful molecules, hormones. And so uh, parasympathetic nervous system, when that is equally activated and balance is sympathetic, then we can recover from that habit. And that way, we eliminate a lot of evil effect of disease. So that's the first step. Um, but that is only a uh, medical part, brain part, body part of the uh, technique we are talking about. The other part of being is for the unconscious in the mental, emotional, software part. This is more on the hardware. We eliminated the emission of cortisol in our body. Um, but the, there is also software that activates organ functions. For example, you know, for uh, let's take the case of um, uh, a person who has this... Uh, uh, repeatedly in that family, there is this abuse, child abuse that takes place. And people get caught into that. And when uh, they suffer it themselves and they become adult, uh, they don't know why or how, but they somehow get into abusing their own uh, children, grandchildren, nephews, nieces, what have you. Uh, this problem perpetuates. What they are looking for 
uh, what Gary finds, and of course the theory completely supports, is that from past lives, um, uh, there is some karma. Um, you know, we, we get from our past lives uh, habit patterns, character traits. Uh, they are the, uh, those are the things that we inherit from a past life. And um, this bad karma, as they call it in traditions, um, uh, is what keeps us uh, born, uh, being born in that family over and over and over and going through the same scene to get rid of the bad karma. But how do we get rid of it? It's very interesting. The awareness just is not there. The awareness that I don't have to carry on with this bad karma. I can just drop it. So Gary's intention is just so simple, and his uh, therapy uh, just is just is just insisting with his elevated consciousness to release this constriction of consciousness that comes from helplessness. That they, they, I have, I'm destined, I'm I'm determined to do this. It's not my, within my power, but of course the power is very much within us, and that is the power of creating our own reality in which this particular bad karma does not exist. And when the client realizes this, he's free. And that's why it's important to do that. Do that. You were saying early, earlier on to try and get through that software problem, sort of reboot your software early on the process. So then you can reach the, the other stage a little bit, easier or or it makes it it makes it more um i guess uh potentially powerful absolutely we we always suggest that look being brain is built in such a way that it's five times more negative than positive but of course the positive is there in the brain so so what we do like even there is recognition now on the part of materialists uh, that we can be positive we can accentuate the positive part of the brain rather than fall prey to the negative all the time, if we are aware. So what they're doing is the same thing that now part of what we are saying, awareness, develop awareness, mindfulness, and, and, and see uh, the process of what the patterns are, what the habits are, and then realize that we cannot drop it by wishing it. We have to uh, get a higher power to act on us to drop the uh, uh, harmful habit patterns. So um, uh, this is the process. So we start with an intention, but then we engage with do we do we do, and then the crucial part where the quantum leap will take place. But we can facilitate, just as you were saying, uh, for the quantum leap to take place, we can facilitate that by living in a more positive way. Uh, in other words, the positivity uh, invites the potential, invites, uh, so to speak, the archetypes, which are the basis of all healing potentials. The archetypes like love, for example, archetypes like goodness. These things don't come to us when we are constricted. These things can come to us only when we are inspired, when we are ready to receive them. What is love but an expanded consciousness which can include another person? For example, for the uh, person uh, that uh, receiving family constellation, 
the extremely constricted personality it takes to abuse a child that is uh, under your care, so to speak. You are a relative um, of, of some um, responsibility to guard your uh, little um, uh, charges. Instead, you know, this person uh, seduces uh, the little girl and um, that, of course, is just a heinous thing and he doesn't want to do it, but he helplessly does it. Um, and, of course, the history is that he also was subjected to the same kind of abuse. Um, so uh, this is the kind of thing where uh, this helpless participation has to give uh, way to a, uh, an ability, uh, a character trait. Uh, simply recognition that I don't need to do this, that's the beginning. It helps enormously if such a person becomes positive. Instead of taking the attitude, no, it's beyond my capacity, I cannot do that. I am stuck with that. Instead, if we develop the attitude, yes, I can do it, there is infinite potentiality for me to help, and all I need to do is to uh, start loving, uh, which I try to do anyway, but in my constricted consciousness, I don't really love this little girl. This is why when I get the urge of uh, doing this heinous thing, I uh, cannot stop myself. But instead, if I really love, if I am expanded in her presence, then things change completely. In the expanded state, that kind of behavior just cannot come. So uh, expanded states, we absolutely uh, promote. We say to people in general that why wait? Just work on expanding yourself. In this way, you won't have the problem of uh, mental disease, aberrations, all these things. So in the tool set, that, uh, tool set or skill set, whatever you want to call it, that we recommend um, uh, at the end of the book, quantum activation uh, consists of like changing your belief system. The current belief system, of course, is very, uh, very, very pessimistic. People really believe more or less, you know, almost everybody this way or that way, but some kind of conspiracy. Like materialists believe that spirituality is a conspiracy by religion to uh, keep them into, you know, losing their sexual freedom or whatever have you. Um, the, uh, from the religious side, they have uh, even more conspiracy theories, including hell and including Satan, including uh, what have you. Um, but these conspiracy theories are coming because we are living in a very constricted consciousness. If you are intelligent, you make intelligent conspiracy theories. If you are not so intelligent, not so um, mentally oriented, uh, thinking oriented, rationally oriented, you make irrational uh, conspiracy theories. But everybody has become a devotee of the lie. We know those lies. Like everybody knows that materialism is a lie. <laughs> Things, uh, consciousness cannot be made of matter. From matter is object, consciousness has a subjective experience. The two are not compatible. It's, a subject cannot be an object entirely. <laughs> this is obvious to anybody, including the materialist, if they were fully uh, in charge of their rationality, but they get stuck with the dogma. 
So any dogma, any beliefs uh, that you are uh, imposing upon yourself, such as the family constellation, we have people of belief that I cannot not be a child abuser. It's just not possible for me. I was abused myself. This is the only thing I know, and I kind of have to do it. I don't know how not to do it. Or take another case. Which yeah, is, I was going to say you could fill in the blank there with I can't not drink, I can't not do drugs, I can't not... Not do drugs. That was our poem you read by mine. So that one. We have not really applied a serious case of drug addiction yet. I have not found a... Uh, we have a school um, uh, where we teach these things. Uh, uh, we have a PhD, uh, master's and PhD program of teaching this kind of technique. But I have not found a research student yet who will seriously engage with healing addiction. I really believe that we can go beyond what Alcoholics Anonymous, oh, they are a great organization, they do greatly, but they have not discovered that there is one more step that yeah. they can take is teach people quantum healing. Yeah. Teach people um, uh, steps of intention and then do we do we do and then insight and then manifesting help. This is could be a fantastic way of, 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 of battling drug addiction. Yeah. Are you using <laughs> is health is health the best example because it's more tangibly measurable? Well Health is a good example because people are suffering maximally from health, uh, health problems. Uh, today, uh, you know, uh, we have coronavirus. Uh, take this case. Uh, people are uh, so uh, uh, fixed on things, uh, preventive measures, simple preventive measures, and People are not doing it, blaming others, etc. But you know, okay, mask is very uh, good thing to uh, uh, do. But of course, uh, mask is necessary when you are interacting with a stranger. Um, uh, if you are interacting with people that you have to regularly interacting interact with. Um, mask is not convenient. Instead, really, the people of your intimacy, intimate circle, they must have, they must have additional preventive measure, and those measures are available. Simple measures, like you can simply uh, gargle uh, with salt water every night. Just make it a habit. It just takes five minutes, even less, and 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 that simply eliminates all the uh, COVID that might have uh, come your way. <laughs> Similarly, you can uh, do a... Uh, Go on the sun. ...treatment of the nose, and, you know, it's very easy to go through. Or just breathing. If we breathe, they practice called pranayama for five minutes, um, uh, coronavirus will quit. <laughs> so it is not difficult, but what is difficult is for people to do it regularly because they think that this is redundant. I'm not going to get sick. The same mindset which prevents them from wearing a mask when in public. So uh, these are uh, things, problem with the belief system. The belief system confusion is getting to everyone. 
If we can teach a whole bunch of new belief systems, uh, I claim that we can eliminate the chronic disease, like uh, heart disease. Uh, I was going to ask, do you notice more of a, so is it more, it almost seems like more of the, the healing success stories, it, it has to be a cancer or this or that before someone kind of gets shook up enough to, to try something like what you're talking about. Whereas if you do it on the daily, you don't get the flu, you don't get anything. You don't, you're just on the ball. It is worse because the success stories are already there. You know, there was a guy named uh, Simon Tan, uh, a doctor, uh, oncologist, and his wife in the 80s and 90s. He had a firm and he uh, got people there, cancer patients, of sometimes terminal cancer. And he would give them simple visualization process, which would produce quantum leap. Same kind of thing that I'm talking about. They go through intention and he was not using quantum physics, just common sense, he figured this out. Uh, well, he knew a little bit about it, perhaps. And amazing that uh, how many of his patients got healed. So we already have success stories like that, except that people somehow think, you know, this is the problem with the belief system, that going through helplessly with chemotherapy and all that suffering that it brings is better than doing simple meditative practices. This is a strange thing about human beings. If something, you don't have to do a mental effort, although you know that it's going to lead to enormous suffering. I mean, chemotherapy, have you ever watched people under chemotherapy? I have. It's absolutely ridiculous how much suffering they invite. That process is absolute disaster. And yet people prefer it than doing a simple meditative ritual or dooby-dooby-doo in their life. Not very hard, not even time-consuming, but somehow prevents them. I think it's uh, that basic belief that uh, these things are hocus-pocus, that materialism has introduced in our society. Well, yeah, it's almost like a further... Because, I mean, like what you're talking about now with the, the salt water and we mentioned the sunlight and all these these physical things, eating well and, and, yeah. and stuff like that, getting rest that, that we can't even talk about now. And that's like, so it's like first we took away the, the called the spiritual aspect of it, hocus pocus. Oh, you know, just admits crazy. You can't do any of that stuff. Go get the chemo. That's the only way. Now we're saying... No sunshine and diet and exercise—that's crazy. You just gotta, you just no gotta go, D, get, the, go get the chemo not, you know, and be done with it. I feel like we're getting further and further and further away from from where we need to be. Right. I mean, in, in the meantime, uh, half a million people are dead. I mean, they don't have to. I mean, this is so sad that it, it can all be prevented by taking uh, simple uh, practices, inviting just simple rituals that you routinely go through. We are saying, we are actually telling people to do rituals. I mean, what is mask but a ritual? And when it comes to physical things, people do them. When it comes to mental things, they won't. So this is the very strange thing. Where did it come from? It's coming from uh, materialism being pervading 
everybody. Yeah, God, yeah, I'm glad you said that because it's not the people. The people can't be blamed necessarily. It's coming through the medical no. system, through the doctors, through the all the supposed scientists. The science that you can talk about, not the science you can't talk about. Exactly. You know, before my eyes, I was a um, fully active uh, professor at the time when oh. this debunking of um, spiritual happened in the academy. I wanted to ask yeah. you about that. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're talking about it. <laughs> and, and, and um, you know, it, it, it was so strange because, you know, I was teaching at that, in that particular year, I was teaching a course called Physicist's View of Nature. And, of course, the course was a sort of rebellion against materialism. <laughs> uh, and that uh, made me kind of notorious in the campus so people would flock to my course. And I would constantly hear the complaint that how can we believe science anymore when it says precisely, you know, these are students of English, students of fine arts, students of music, students of education, when, when this science is saying the basis of all these things in our society is just simply hocus pocus. This science is saying that no values don't exist, no music is meaningless except as entertainment, no art doesn't exist as anything meaningful either. No archetypes don't exist. Spirituality is humbug. So how can we trust this science? This was the huge thing for especially the women students. They were just completely revolting against this. That's when science started losing credibility within a few years. Uh, you remember, moral majority was created that uh, no people will reject this. And that's how the basic battle of worldview started around that time. And you got a, a personally affected by that. Yeah. You yeah. want to talk about what happened to you a Did little you bit? Did get canceled? He got canceled back Were then. Were you like yeah, the, he first was like the first cancel first culture? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is how the cancel mania started. I mean, the biggest cancel that has been attempted is actually materialism canceling spirituality. The, the, the whole, uh, just imagine. Even now, 50% of the world uh, are uh, religious, uh, some kind of spiritual. Okay, agreed, religions are dogmatic too. That is a problem. But still, they talk about spiritual values. They talk about God, something outside of the human constricted ego. Uh, okay, their God is a white man, bearded man, old man, very bad image. Uh, it's a start. It. Yeah, it's a start. But, but still, it, it, it's admitting that there is a higher power. With, surrendering. With, it's some light <laughs> surrender. Power. Right, exactly. Exactly. Which, by the way, I mean, people know that surrender has its good effect, right? So these things are empirically validated. And even so, uh, the belief has been so undermined now by materialism that even the religionists, uh, hardly believe their own uh, preachings. This is the problem. Everybody has become cynical. So if cynical, one part of the cynicism is um, you make belief, uh, political correctness, and that's all we needed in order to have value. When a person say, hey, be nice, all, you, all he means is that be nice when you meet somebody, when you, know, when you say, how are you? Uh, when she asks, how are you? You say, I'm fine, although you are hiding something greatly wrong with yourself. That's, that's the correctness. So long as you're correct, you're okay. Uh, but that's not okay. It's not okay because then we pretend. 
like big pretension uh, of this genre is this. Um, yeah. we, we see before we have intelligence quotient, now we have EQ, um, uh, empathy quotient. Empathy, empathy is precisely the ability of quantum ability of non-locality, including somebody in your expanded consciousness. A person who is saying, I am sympathetic with you, I, I, I hear you, I, um, I completely identify with you, just words. It doesn't catch. And people know that it doesn't catch. Okay, a few people have gone beyond it. I really do believe that there are people in politics even who are empathic. That is not what I'm saying. Even a conservative person can be empathic, and there are many conservative people who are, who are greatly empathic. But generally, the whole culture has bought the idea that these things are just pretend things. People pretend. And this has made people into such cynics that, you know, you and I can talk about this one hour of uh, talking about the power of intention, power of uh, surrendering, power of higher power. We can talk about how we have to engage vital energy in the process, how we have to engage intuition in the process. But everything gets defeated in the belief that all this is still not going to work. Only thing that is going to work is those physical medicines, although they are eventually not going to work either. And you can even extrapolate that out to like coffee, food, all the things you're doing, just sort of numb yourself out from your daily grind or that sort of stuff. Yeah, I think that we can, we, this is what we are, you know, I realized for some time that what is needed urgently is education. We really have to change the belief system of people. And this is what we do. We, uh, we talk about nutrition in terms of not only nutrition of the physical body, but nutrition of the software as well. It's just common sense. I mean, look, we have hardware. We have the physical body, just like computers. Computers have hardware. But without the software, we cannot use the computer. <laughs> Who creates the software? Consciousness does. So in this way, we get software, uh, emotional software. And this emotional software is, is, is the basic problem. Um, there is universal software connected with the organ functions. They are pretty stable. Um, the emotional software, personal software, this is where our problems arise. This is where we get stressed up. This is where we acquire um, uh, bad habits like drug addiction. Uh, you know, all this is connected with the wrong software. And people have made studies of uh, drug addiction. You show me a drug addicted person, I'll show you a person of enormous pain. That's the fact. Where is the pain coming from? The software is not connecting with the hardware. Software is no longer effective. We have to make that connection back. We have to work on the software. We have to provide nutrition for the software. Where is that nutrition? Nutrition is in the exercise of feelings, love, uh, the archetypes. And this is what is missing, the positive part of the human being. Positive part is not built in into the brain much, little bit only. We have to invoke them uh, explore them, 
manifest them, embody them. That's the creative process. And that's part of the reason why you use the flowers and the beautiful things. You focus on those beautiful objects to, to create that. Wonderfully put. Exactly. So, exactly. So it starts so, like that. It starts like a recognition of the simple, beautiful things that we could do, but we don't. Simple, beautiful things we surround with, which, which will keep us in an elevated consciousness. And that's kind of like the science of positive thinking? Yeah, I was just thinking that. <laughs> well, part of it, part of it, but it's not just thinking. That's the mistake that, um, you know, previous people of uh, another age made. Being, uh, it's positive being. <laughs> Yeah, positive feeling, much better, and then eventually uh, the archetypes. We have to bring in archetypes like love, goodness, justice, uh, truth, uh, concept of uh, abundance, uh, concept of power, of course, is there very much, but it has to be changed from power for my selfishness to power for the people, power for helping others. Uh, these are the ways that we uh, can uh, expand our consciousness. Partly it is already there because, you know, you mentioned resonance before. Why does uh, resonating work? Like why does a simple prayer or meditation on a mantra? Why do they work? They work simply because our ancestors, they were better people than us. They had more expanded consciousness. So they did these collective prayers, they did these collective meditations, and these rituals have become part of our collective unconscious. Carl Jung, the great psychologist, did wonderful study of this. So he has entire procedure of how to connect to the collective unconscious and let these uh, Ugian archetypes, they are a sort of a uh, representation of the platonic archetypes that I'm talking about, love, goodness, justice but of the same ilk. Our ancestors already did some of it. We can use them and do some part of the healing. But of course, the best healing is get to the archetypes directly, and this is what necessary sometimes if you want to heal serious things like drug addiction or cancer. Maybe we should talk about a little bit about the details of the constellation therapy. Like I, I, Gary mentions in, in the book about being in Calgary, and a friend of mine... Uh, She's a Reiki master and different types of Reiki. She keeps going to the constellations and she keeps asking me to go, but I think it's, uh, it's quite prevalent in this area, but can you explain that a little bit to, to how that works with people? I think we, I think if, if I was to understand it, you get in, you're doing like a group therapy session and, and the people are acting as your ancestors, I guess. And you're intending that you're, you're experiencing interactions with your ancestors, I, I, I think. Yeah, yeah, because the, the, the idea is that the reincarnation is a process in which uh, certain aspects of the habits uh, and the character traits uh, come back to us in a repeated way, which we call reincarnation. It's not that the same physical body is, is being born. Those are all nonsense ideas. Of course, physical bodies uh, cannot non-locally travel. But the mental uh, bodies, uh, not even mental bodies, not even the software explicitly, but the ability of using a software, which is what a pattern of habit is. I have a habit to drink. I, a certain software in the brain 
gets activated. <clears throat> that capacity that I have that habit, I have the ability of using that software, correlates that particular software with who I am. And this who I am is the part that is uh, reincarnated. So in this way, and also the one pattern is that people take reincarnation over and over in the same family for a very simple reason. They know the environment that they're going to get, and therefore they know that these patterns will be triggered because usually families continue in the same kind of um, uh, ambience. They continue that ambience. In this way, a certain ambience is perpetuated in the family because the same people are coming back again and again in the family. So you see our ancestors very likely are we. We ourselves are ancestors. We have been working on it forever and forever. And we are perpetuating it in the family, creating new entries because we will abuse and people we abuse, they also become part of that same bad karma that will be recycled and recycled until somebody realizes that, look, I don't have to. They really don't belong to me. It's not part of my character yet. It's just a habit. I can drop it. So that's what Gary's job is. Fantastic. So so just the act of acknowledging that you're carrying this baggage from past lives and reincarnations is enough exactly. to break the cycle. Exactly. Well put. Exactly. So, you know, it, it just simply... Uh, Gary is a very patient person. You have to meet him to realize how kind and patient that person is. He's a fantastic therapist because, you know, that's all the job is. I mean, you know, sometimes we derive uh, psychoanalysis, uh, this listening power. It's not an easy uh, thing. It, it's really a quality. It is a, it is a character quality. And, and then you listen with empathy. You don't locally open and you feel the pain. And you don't go away. You, you don't go away. You stay there. You don't absorb the pain and make it your own pain. That would be disaster. That's the empathy. Empathy <laughs> is being in somebody's pain without identifying with them. Non-locality gives you that characteristic. You can never do that with locality. But with locality, you can sympathize because our brain has uh, neurons that we call mirror neurons. These mirror neurons give us the behavior that we are seeing before us. Brain cannot distinguish. Brain activates the mirror neurons. And if somebody is crying in your vicinity, you will, you will feel the tendency of crying. That's called sympathy. So that's local. That's, that's what people think that they are being empathic. Somebody can cry in somebody's presence. That's not empathy. That's the brain's habit. Uh, empathy goes beyond it, and therapists like Gary uh, or any successful therapist, uh, they don't necessarily call them quantum therapists, but they have this ability of empathizing because they're using non-local connections. You know, people don't have to know quantum physics in order to love someone, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So is there, a, is there a yang to that? Is there a, is there a po possible negative use of that same sort of power you're describing? Well, um, this, is the, uh, this is the positive side of it. The uh, negative side uh, is a bit different, but yes, there can be because the collective unconscious also has the evil uh, energies, and that produces what Jung used to call the shadow of the archetype. 
So politicians can manipulate the negative emotional brain circuits of people by siding with their hate, with their lack of love, with their violence. And this is why, and because people have already have built-in circuits like that, it is very easy to manipulate by demagogues to arouse people into uh, doing uh, criminal things. And the media, too. Yeah. So this is unfortunate, and this, of course, uh, you know, we see that all, all too often, and we tend to look the other way because we take it for granted that that's going to happen, but it does not going to happen. It does not need to happen. Simple education will prevent people from uh, being so gullible, being so manipulable. And this is what we have done to um, not only just Americans today, but you know, world over. People can be manipulated very easily because in their educational uh, organization, they don't learn anything but how to do a job, yeah. how to do something routine. And you touch on that in your book. I mean, I, I found that fascinating that you touched on, you know, not just uh, uh, assessing your obstacles and, and, and using those obstacles sort of as jumping off points, but also the education and the dumbing down of, of society, which is great. I'm glad you guys broached that. And the childhood trauma as well. Yes, uh, childhood trauma is a very, very good case. You know, we could eliminate all childhood trauma and therefore much of psychotherapeutic problem that people uh, have in their later lives by simply educating parents. And this is so, so mysterious. We have, you know, can you believe we have, we have like 12 grades of education, then we have four years of college and people even do postgraduate, another five years to get their PhD. All this education, not a single course on parenting. <laughs> therapists don't get a course on parenting per se. I mean, they get counseling therapy and all that stuff, but not parenting per se, because they don't have a theory of how, what parenting is about. They don't have ideas like non-locality, what is the mother-child relationship really is like. They don't have any idea because they don't even buy into personal psychology. That's like doctors not buying into quantum stuff or even nutrition. I think in the whole like doctor's course, there's like, you know, three weeks on diet. Exactly. I mean, look, look at this is just so simple um, uh, common sense. Hardware has software. Hardware requires protein. Hardware requires carbohydrate. Hardware requires fat in that proportion. We accept that. But that's just hardware. How do I keep my software intact? How do I keep my vitality intact? So vitality has to be provided too by the same food. So obviously the food has to be natural food. Food has to be alive food. How can we give stale food? How can we refrigerate food and then expect that that food have the same effect as the uh, raw food um, or uh, freshly cooked food? So, okay. Little refrigeration does not do that much harm, but the way we use it, you know, people have seen, I sometimes uh, fall myself into that trap, uh, and um, we just test if the food is still okay, edible, but it's not edible already because the vital energy is gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and, and then you've got a, a whole bunch of people that are eating McDonald's five days a week, which... So oh, that, we're kind yes. of 
We're all sort of signed in on this weird co-creation of reality thing, which I sort of picture as I've got this field that's maybe 10 feet or six feet around me. And that's sort of my sphere of influence. And it can kind of bump up against Graham, but I can't manipulate his reality per se. So I'm just kind of wondering if you could tease that out for me, because I've always kind of had trouble visualizing how that co-creation of reality works. Like where does my ability to manifest start to interfere fear on your free will and like how how's the best way to what's the best way to sort of tweak that because manifestation doesn't stop at health i mean i think everyone sitting around this table knows that the sky's the limit but but it, it's not just i want to be a billionaire and there you go there's like <laughs> you know there's right. a lot of hard work and intent and you got to really visualize how and when that's all going to happen so i was wondering if before we run out of time you couldn't sort of because you've been doing it for at least seven years and probably a long time before that. But we talked to you about this first seven or eight years ago. And mm-hmm. so like, uh, where, where, what have you, where have you come to, yeah, to 2021? So, and this, this is a fantastic question. And uh, let, uh, let's dwell on it. The, the, we are already co-creating. We are co-creating with, um, uh, what I call quantum self or consciousness as the ground of being or unconscious, uh, non-local unconscious, uh, higher power, whichever name you give it, we are co-creating. Everything about creativity is a co-creation. The co-creating in practice has a major problem because this other co-creator, this higher power, etc., they are not embodied. And it's very difficult to invoke something which is not embodied, right? It is easy to say, oh, I'm invoking my spirit, I'm surrendering. But to actually do it, to be in a flow with the uh, disembodied idea, uh, or you can call it name, does not help. It's still an idea in my mind. So uh, this is where the therapist, this is where the teacher, this is where the guide has to come in in a major way. This is a substitute. And you know what? We learned this substitute in our babyhood. What happens in the, to a baby? A baby is born, and baby, you know, many spiritual traditions uh, say it correctly. Baby is a uh, replica of God. The baby is full of non-locality, full of quantum self. And then the baby starts developing the mind, developing the ego. Uh, the hippocampus starts building, and uh, we can memorize, and we can sequence the memories. We have a sense of time, and all of a sudden we can tell that this is me, and that is not me. And that happens about the age of one year. So the baby who was constantly in touch with unity, oneness, all of a sudden is feeling separateness in a major way. And then start missing the unity. Where did the unity go? Where is this practically panicsville? And this is where mother comes in. But the mother is there. And so the baby starts substituting for the mother. Now here is where the mother's love is so important in our life. If we have a loving mother in that crucial time, then we our chance of be, being growing up healthy without trauma would be enormously better. And this simple thing also gives you the idea of co-creating the reality. 
So the reality we later on access is a reality that I learned to access with my mother as co-creating the reality of that child. That child can learn some moral behavior, the child can learn social behavior, all this because the child and the mother are deciding to be a partner in co-creation. When the mother cannot do that because the mother is unhappy, you know, that happens in a major way for autistic children. That mother is turned off, mother cannot connect, and child has no availability of this substitute that the child desperately needs. And then what happens? The child just withdraws. There are other factors too. There could be even a brain factor, but we're not going to touch on everything. Um, so, you know, uh, this is very serious thing, co-creation. And then later on, we go to school, we similarly expect that our teachers will have that, give us that expansion before they teach us. Where do find a teacher today who will teach expanded consciousness and not just reading, writing, arithmetic? And reading, writing, arithmetic in the most dull way possible. And even then, they won't even test if the students are learning. You know, I sometimes used to teach just to uh, be with people, be with ordinary people, uh, courses in very elementary, like elementary physics, uh, first year non-scientist courses. And I would constantly encounter students, especially the athletes, you know, who would be on a scholarship. They did not even learn to read. They went through the whole school, 12 grades, did not learn to read. Can you imagine? So this is the status of our education. We never co-create with any student. So the idea of co-creation has been completely lacking in our society. The first time a student gets to co-create is they come to graduate school and then they become uh, students of the professors and there we finally co-create. We help them to do their research and of course, uh, great fun and all that. But how many people get advantage of that? So in this way, we have co-creation available only in the form of when you find a good transpersonal or humanistic therapist. Then only finally somebody will say, okay, let's be dynamic. Let's co-create a new you. What about in a what about in a metaphysical? What about in a metaphysical way? Like like Darren was mentioning, like we had the heart math guys on many many years ago, and there's that you know. I was forgetting the gurus. Now gurus are also a reality these days because people have um, you know what have some of the political correctness. The gurus know how to say things and not uh, really live things. So to, to find an authentic guru, in India, the distinction is called Sat Guru. Sat means authentic. So Sat Guru versus uh, fake guru. But the fake gurus are by far much more in number, just like the fake therapists are by far much more in number than the authentic psychotherapists. Uh, fake teachers are by far much more in number than authentic teachers. And mind you, I'm not saying that they're not authentic people uh, like yourself. Like myself, I believe there are authentic people uh, all around. I, uh, at, at my count is that about 15%. Uh, in fact, uh, the psychologist David Hawking, he also thinks it's 15%. And the yogis um, of Shivananda Ashram, 
they also believe that it is 15% of people that are uh, uh, potentially fair. can experience enlightenment. Excuse me? Potentially experience enlightenment. Yeah. The, the, uh, that's the key. The experiencing as they are occurring to us, not faking it. How do you know if you're faking it? Um, the person knows. And you know through constriction. You know because you are not connecting with the person. If you are not connecting with the person, then you know that this is fake. This is just thinking. There is no feeling. If the feelings are there, then the, this is the thing. Thinking can be conditioned. Thinking can be repeated and therefore conditioned. Feeling is very hard to repeat. Same feeling, exactly same feeling. And therefore feeling dimension is difficult to condition. Feeling can be conditioned only in association with thinking. This is why we have emotional software. We don't have any feeling, pure feeling software. So if we learn to pure feel, like I feel love for you, then that is the pure feeling. It is not, it is not making software for me. If I feel next time I, I love you, it will again be pure feeling. So every time we have a pure feeling, we are connecting to the um, expanded consciousness, to the quantum self, to the divine, to the spirit. This is the trick. We have to learn how to feel. Feel where? Feel in the body. Feel in the chakras. This is the concept of the chakras. You have feeling centers. You have one in the navel, one in the heart. And listen to this. Heart has two important organs. One is the thymus gland, part of the immune system, which distinguishes between me and not me. Its job is to defend so we have this defensive software, it defends, and very important, of course, because, you know, we may encounter a person who is more going to emotionally hurt me. And there are this person, uh, we call it predators. Uh, there is a section in the book, of predators, yeah. about the predators. So there are those, they have to protect, so defense is good. But then there are also those, many more of those who we want to love. But if you are defending, how can you love? Because heart is constricted. So you have to drop the defensiveness. The major part of that surrendering that we were talking about earlier is really dropping the defensiveness. If we drop the defensive circuit, then what happens? The immune system goes partly out of action, out of commission, and heart, heart realizes the new function. Heart is ordinarily just a blood pump. But when immune system suspends itself, then heart reveals a new capacity, which is love. It becomes coherent, it becomes quantum, and it then is able to help us feel a new energy, the energy of love. And this new energy is automatically connecting to the archetype of love. And this is what the key of transformation is. This is what mothers give us freely, this is where friends in the childhood, they can give us. And this is where what we miss, we miss, we miss. We get some of it back in romantic relationship. But again, those don't last either. And then it just continues to be a sad story of individual separateness that is completely overtaking everything that we have previously. That's the real, that's the real pandemic. Yes. Yeah, and that's why it's so important to be around the right people. Because of what you're, you know, what you're saying and what you asked, and having this, you know, 
not be in that defensive mode all the time. No, you can't because it's easier to be authentic when you can just not be reacting to your emotions all the time. There's... Yeah. It's so, hard, though. So it's hard to feel the heart. It's hard to feel those those chakras. I mean, it really is hard to get. I don't even feel the feeling. chakras, dude. I just fucking don't give a fuck. <laughs> I honestly, it's just like. I'm, I don't, I don't even really meditate or do the chakra stuff or any of that. I believe I've, I have space for it all, but I just, I just don't take myself very seriously anymore. I think that's what the trick was, was <laughs> I just don't take myself or yeah. life. And I love my kids hey. and I love everything, but I just don't, I don't even take life that seriously. I want the best for it, but I mean, you, you just can't get that wrapped up in it because Every time in my life, I thought it was fucking coming to the worst possible end, and how could I ever? And then, you know, three months or six months later, everything's hunky dory. Yeah, <laughs> you know, this is the this is another key part: taking not taking ourselves very seriously, because because that is how the ego gets gets over into that uh, starts uh, trumping all of our uh, good habits. And uh, this constriction, uh, constricted consciousness, which you can feel in the gut, uh, and this this becomes a habit. Narcissism and the and the gut is where you feel it. You feel strong, but on the other hand, you are extremely isolated. You are so isolated that you cannot you cannot relate to people. You refuse to be vulnerable. Your defense has completely taken you over. It's like you have a castle inside that nobody can penetrate. And you're jumping through hoops all the time trying to keep all the doors closed because you can't show yeah. a moment of weakness. It's a prison. You, you have your doors closed. Exactly. You live in a prison. You know, Robert Bayer used to call this the Iron Man syndrome. Women don't have that much of closeness, thank God, but they have the other problem. They're needy. They don't have uh, strong navel chakra. So uh, this absence of navel for the women and absence of heart for men is a uh, general problem that prevents us from that idea of co-creation. We cannot trust another. We cannot love another. We cannot give up differences with anybody. And then how can you co-create with any person? And God is not going to come as, as an abstract if it is so hard to connect with another human Embodied person, how do you expect to connect with an ideal, connect with a, with a person that is not embodied, with an, just an idea, with an archetype, or with God, the uh, focus of all archetypes? How can you connect to that uh, if you cannot connect with another human being? People should ask this very simple question before they think that they can be spiritual or they can change. Absolutely. Well, very well said, Amit, as usual. Uh, the book is Quantum Activation. Uh, what's the best place to track that down? Do you have? Are you selling it on your own website, or should we just send them to Amazon? Or In, 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 in my website, um, you can get all the information about me, my, uh, my colleagues, a uh, bit about the book. But yeah, to buy it, best place is Amazon.com. <laughs> Unfortunately, okay. I don't even like the idea of a monopoly, but that is the place uh, where you can get it most easily. Uh, it's just the truth. But do do check my website, A-M-I-T-G-O-S-W-A-M-I.org. For sure. Uh, I'll put okay. it on the I'll put it in the show notes and thanks for uh putting up with all the technical difficulties at the beginning and sticking with us. It turned out to be a great uh show. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's a simple idea. It just did not occur to me. I am kind of slow in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. That's okay. We're sometimes slow at night, so it's a bad mix. But you but, come back anytime and keep doing God's work over there. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate that. That's good. Thanks okay. a lot. Bye-bye. See ya. And that was our chat with Mick Swami. What'd you think, yeah, buddy? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was a good book. I like it. Very interesting. Yeah, you got through the book. Yeah, the constellation therapy as well. And I mean, they, I liked how they got into the dumbing down of the part of the society, and they got into the education problem. And I did want to ask him about the difference between uh, pleasure and happiness. They had a chapter on that, and they have a synchronicity and residual coincidences chapter. Residual. R- residual. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, some of the uh, things I hear in the audiobooks are just like, <laughs> make me laugh. <laughs> but I oh, could, dude, be, I could be pronouncing it wrong. Like, I search for some of the pronunciations and they, they're not there. That's the thing. They're not I'm not going to email they're, you and say, like, you pronounce this like this because I might be the. <laughs> yeah. I found, I've heard I pronounce some things weird too, so yeah. whatever. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get emails about it one day. But yeah, that was good. That was fantastic. Seven years after we had him on, I can't believe it's been that long. But yeah, it was good. Dooby 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 doo. Dooby doo, yeah. Big thanks to Amit for coming on the show as usual. One of my favorite guests. I love talking to that guy. Yeah. We should make a dooby dooby doo shirt. Yep. Make that would it happen. Yeah. America.ca slash swag. I'll make it happen. Thanks to everyone. Yeah. Big thanks to everyone for listening. Big thanks to Amit for coming on the show over in India in the morning. Uh, big thanks to the supporters. America.ca slash support. We really couldn't be doing this show without you. Um, you guys are the grease that keeps us cruising towards 500 episodes and then a thousand for America.ca slash support. If you can, when you can, there's, you know, three or four different ways, PayPal, Stripe, Patreon, Bitcoin, whatever tickles your fancy. Speaking of audiobooks, you can check some of those audiobooks out. Adultbrain.ca has all, uh, our, I mean, it all just links to audible cause that's the yeah, audiobook yeah. empire, but all of our books at least are there in one spot so you can see what we've done and you can easily get it. If you want to check out our more controversial content, check out grammaricaoutlaw.ca. If you want to check uh, check out our Rockfin content, rockfin.com slash grammarica. Video stuff there. That's all video stuff. And uh, yeah, we love you. Thanks for listening. Oh, spam gram, grammaricaoutlaw.com. Join the chats, grammaricaoutlaw.ca slash chats, grammaricaoutlaw.ca slash social sign up for the newsletter america.ca slash news be kind to each other we love you thanks for listening and we will see you next week five pink flamingos and a few flamenco dancers they're in the kitchen and they're baking day of the dead cookies And I step into the kitchen And I'm like, let me have a looky See what kind of cookie you're cooking up And they're looking up at me, skeptical And I point next to my spectacles And I'm wearing a Maroon Harvard t-shirt Yeah, I know I'm a smart cookie, but I'm no psychic You can come and ring my bell But where we're gonna end up in the future, I can never tell I can never tell
my best friends and a few of my enemies. We're at the coffee shop and we're settling our differences. Benjamin Otto pulls out a game of Chinese checkers and he orders a cappuccino. And I pick blue and he picks red and you pick yellow. And I'm wearing a tie-dye peace sign t-shirt. Yeah, I know I'm a peacenik, but I ain't no hypocrite. You can come and ring my bell. But where we're gonna end up in the future, I can never tell. I can never tell. One bell, one man. And with my sense of smell, I can smell the salt in your tears. I can sense your fears You're hoping for a bit of divinity In this worldly vicinity And you understand the fragility of the human vessel And you sit Indian style like a pretzel And you levitate to a transcendental state when you meditate And you levitate to a transcendental state when you meditate And you levitate to a transcendental state when you meditate